we're limited in our as we as we evolve we are still limited we're still you know emotional people we're still you know learning how to think separately but because we have um these limitations i think beliefs actually ha have a role to play they're tools in gradually learning uh, what the truth is behind those beliefs and that is a foretaste of this episode of the Planetary Makeover Show. In response to the heartfelt voices of an awakening humanity, we have evidence that divine help is at hand to work with us to create a hopeful future. Welcome everyone to another episode of Planetary Makeover. Today, for the first time, we're pleased and privileged to be interviewing Anne Finneran from Share International on Planetary Makeover. Now, before we get into introducing Anne, let's just talk about what we always try to achieve here at Planetary Makeover. As always, we're not here to convince you of anything. And all we ask is that you consider viewing and listening with an open mind to consider that mankind can create a new civilization and world based on sharing, trust, justice, equality, brotherhood, peace, synthesis, and love, keeping the best of the old while adding the best of the new. Now to accomplish this seemingly impossible task, we assert and we demonstrate that humanity is not alone. We have help of an extraordinary kind, which will inspire us to transform these seemingly impossible futures into reality. And how, you must be asking yourself, are we going to do that? Well, mankind's elder brothers are returning to the everyday world after a 98,000 year absence. The world teacher for all of humanity, a spiritual teacher, not a religious figure, is coming with his group, the masters of wisdom. They are teachers in the broadest sense of the word. Now, of course, this teacher had been predicted by all the major religions for thousands of years. To give you some examples, for the Jews, that would be the Messiah. For the Muslims, it'd be the Imam Mahdi, depending on the sect, or the Messiah. For the Hindus, it's the Kalki Avatar. For the Christians, it's the Christ. And for the Buddhists, it's Maitreya. They got the name right, though Maitreya is non-denominational. He's not Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, or any other religion. As I said, he's a spiritual teacher in the broadest sense for everyone. Maitreya and the masters are here for the people, not for religious, governmental, or philosophical institutions. And to boot, this is considered the most important event in mankind's history. Though, of course, we will let you judge for yourself. The masters love everyone unconditionally. Everyone from the most ardent fundamentalists to the most dyed-in-the-wool atheists and agnostics. They don't need for you, and they don't want you to believe in them or follow them. And they're not here to found any kind of new religion. Part of the reason they're so effective is because Maitreya, for example, is an avatar himself, wielding energies and combinations that have never been seen on the planet before. This, in part, is because he, in turn, is overshadowed by the avatar of peace and equilibrium, of synthesis, and of a third energy for which we have no name, at least not in English. It could be interpreted as unstoppable will, though that's a, in a wholly inadequate definition. Now, you may ask why they're here. Well, of course, we're at a crisis point, for one thing, but aside from that, we are entering a new age, the age of Aquarius, and the masters are helping humanity and the planet enter this new age. They happen about every 
2,150 years. So if you thought it was just a pop song from the 60s, no, we're just getting warmed up here. We're leaving the age of Pisces, which has been in effect for the last 2,150 years and was inaugurated by the historical figure we know of as Jesus, who is now the Master Jesus. Writings about Maitreya and the Master's wisdom, as well as their own writings, are meant to stimulate our minds and enhance our intuition. Just reading or listening to it is transformative in a way that doesn't interfere with our free will, which is sacrosanct to the masters. This subject, vast in scope, includes more than just the master's wisdom, if you think, for instance, Krishnamurti, and is known collectively as the ageless wisdom teaching. And as I mentioned, some of the other teachers, it includes who were overshadowed by the masters, include Madame Blavatsky, Helena Roderick, and Alice Bailey. Most recently, author, artist, and esotericist, Benjamin Krem. Now, let's get back to the subject at hand. And that would be our guest, Ann Finneran, who is here to talk about whether or not we believe that the world teacher, Maitreya, is emerging. Now, just a little bit about Anne. She's an environmental activist, an artist, mother and wife, and a longtime student of the Ageless Wisdom Teaching and a co-worker at Share International, where I met her years ago. And we hope to have more appearances by Anne on Planetary Makeover going forward. So welcome, Anne. Welcome to Planetary Makeover. Thank you, David. So glad you're here. And thank you for agreeing to take time out of your crowded schedule to speak with us, seeing as how I know you have other speaking engagements this week. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Well, some of the questions that we had come up with that we thought you'd find intriguing and interesting involved this very subject of belief and the emergence. And before we launch into that, just in brief, it's say two minutes or so, so we can, we can listen to you answer all those wonderful questions with your vast knowledge on this subject. How did you come to this work and get involved and what keeps you here? Well, um, in 1981, um, in the late summer, I started having these, these funny little experiences like a dream and then an, uh, a conversation and then a, another conversation and they were all kind of little aha moments that I had and then on December 19th I met a couple who in Buffalo I was living in Buffalo at the time and I was in an art opening I had a piece there and I met this couple there and they were involved in this story and uh, so we I I'm went to their house, they invited me over, and we were up talking until four in the morning. Wow. And they told me about, um, they told me about Maitreya and that the Christ was in the world. And the experience of their story just pulled everything that I've been going through the last few months together. And, you know, I just like the, the floodgates opened. I was weeping, my heart was just filled and um, that was how I heard about it. Uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, Benjamin Krem came to town. He was touring at that time. And I took part in meditation with him and had further experiences. And it was just a profound time in my life, very life changing. And that was pretty much it. Um, so that was how I got started. And that the whole set of experiences, which it's a story in and of itself, um, just kind of is set in stone um, my um, my understanding of this information and uh, more than belief, you know, I'm just totally convinced, so. Great, great intro story. All right, Anne, 
now that we know how you got here, let's let's find out, let's mine some of the um, information and the wisdom that you've garnered it over this time. Um, so my uh, first question in that regard was, uh, going back to the subject of this show, in this, the age of Aquarius, how does belief stack up against knowledge and why? Okay, well, the... Um... Uh, the age of Pisces is a um, was about belief and about adhering to um, to a guru or following a uh, following someone, or, and it was completely about beliefs. Pisces is a water sign, so it's an emotional sign. Aquarius is an air sign, which is more to do with mental. So it requires, so belief is not part of it. Uh, Aquarians are about knowledge and about uh, self-awareness. They're thinking for themselves. They're not, they, they, because they think for themselves, they're not dictated by governments, religions, political, philosophical thought. Um, um, But they also think in terms of group knowledge. So there is a, there's a little bit of group in, involved in that, but they are totally not really into believing um, as an emotional thing, but as a knowing as a mental a thing. That's great. Sounds like it'll be a relief to humanity to have this new incoming energy. So yeah. speaking of humanity, how do you think conservative Christians will react to Maitreya as the world teacher and to the reappearance of Master Jesus. What do you think they'll believe about each of those figures? Well, um, it kind of depends on their their level of understanding on their own personal uh, intuition, I think. But um, uh, some may see uh, Jesus as as the Christ, they might recognize him as who they believe to be the Christ, and Maitreya is is like his lieutenant. Um, some might just be totally resistant um, and uh, go to all, all kinds of imaginations about who Maitreya is. Their beliefs will be uh, just completely challenged and shaken to the core. Uh, they might. They might hate the idea of Maitreya as the world teacher and not as the world savior who's coming to um, pull them up into heaven while the rest of us stay behind. And um, so the cherished beliefs die, die hard and hurt bitterly in the process is something that Maitreya himself has said. Um, so they, uh, some of them might if they are open and if they are truly, uh, truly Christian, their hearts might open and they may recognize them outright. But because religion is such a, uh, uh, what's the term, conditioning thing, they may be so fully conditioned in their religion that they won't be able to reinterpret their beliefs into the actual truth and might feel challenged by it. It should be exciting to witness. And, and if they can, if they can make a change and adapt to this, things may change rather quickly. So um, how are, would you say, and how are a belief in God or a belief in atheism paradoxically similar? Well, they're both beliefs. They're both they're both based on emotional conditioning, um, and they're both glamours. I think a glamour is taking a truth and to the extreme, so that mm. they only see it in one perspective and not staying open to the whole realm of possibilities. So um, uh, they, if. The solution uh, to that might be to recognize that we're all humans, that we all are valuable, that we're all divine, although an atheist might not see it in those terms. <laughs> I think there's an a infinitesimally, uh, that is to say, a non-existent line between the idea of God being everywhere and there being no God. Because if God is everywhere, God exists in every single, from the lowest subatomical particle up to the, you know, the quasars. So 
there's like really uh there's no and an, and an atheist would acknowledge the energy in subatomical particles and the energy in quasars and maybe not recognize that that is that there's a consciousness there mm. that is what we would think of as god um so they're both I, at a you know extreme. i had a um an experience uh when i was working in new york a long time ago there was an artist that came in to, it was a frame shop and there was an artist that came in to do framing he was got a job there and he was a paint he did these beautiful paintings simple paintings of of people in good good people in um kind of almost naive but really like like rousseau type of settings and he was he was a a calvinist that was his religion he came i think from michigan and he was really he, he had this energy he was steeped in this religious energy you know i just what, felt it and what is that and what is that um what was his background you said calvinist what is that calvinist is a it's like lutheranism it's a it was one of the earliest protestant religions ah. after the reformation but it it in and of itself became very rigid and very caught up in just you know uh, the bible and what the bible says and that's where he was so um but he would talk to me i could talk to him about my beliefs and about the masters and everything and he thought i was doomed to hell but he <laughs> still he still maintained that that relationship with me in fact at one point he said you know i have friends who are very uh you know think along the lines that you think and and i wish i could think that way but i just can't mm. <laughs> you know? he was so conditioned but he was self-aware that he was conditioned that's good yeah. Yep. Okay. So, you know, you kind of wonder where this, this man is now, what his thinking has been and how he would actually respond to when the, when the emergence happens, what his reaction will be. I'd be very curious. Um, and it's, and it's interesting how people like that tell us we're going to hell. Uh, Krishnamurti referred to that as hell as the fruit of Christianity. And according to Maitreya and the masters, there is no hell. So I guess you're safe for now, Anne. <laughs> I hope, I expect so. I think I am. Hmm. Well, Jesus loves me. <laughs> I know that. And he's not the only one. That's right. <laughs> so um, going on with that theme, what role do you think Maitreya will play in helping us clear up the current confusion concerning beliefs, kind that you were just referring to? and how will he help provide clarity? Well, I think he'll uh, draw on people, on humanity. I mean, I think the fact that his, his heart is, our heart is linked to his, everyone's heart is linked to his. And I think he'll cut through and ex expose beliefs on um, various things, various human concerns, um, such as the environment, uh, what we're doing to the planet, um, I think he'll show that in order to be truly human, we have to be take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of the ecology. Um, his uh, priorities and with social and economic and political matters will will help counter those beliefs. People will say, "Yeah, if I, you know, if if you if they somehow, I think." hopefully they'll tie in with the fact that i was hungry and you fed me yeah i was i was homeless and you sheltered me you know mm -hmm. i was in prison and you know you came to comfort me they'll make the connection yeah and also i think that the master jesus himself is one of the roles he has to play will be to help bridge the beliefs of the christian religions at least with with the true reality of the times yes and help clear up that uh corruption that's crept in over the last two thousand years yeah. well speaking of the masters um my next question would be are we the same as maitreya or not 
how and why? Yes, we're the same because we're, we're humans. We're on the same path. We're just much farther behind on the path. That's how I see it than he is. He has gone through so many more experiences and understands so many of the human experiences that we have yet to process and to go through. So, um, but as far as our divinity, we're all one divinity. We're all, each one of us is endowed with a, a link to the, the overarching um, godness, if you will. And um, he, he knows, he knows he's divine. He's aware of his divinity more than we are. We allow the conditioning in our lives. We allow all the little factors to interfere with our remembering, I think, mm -hmm. who we really are, our divine selves. While he's fully self-aware, like we're in kindergarten and he's in grad school or working on his PhD. I would, yeah, I think he's <laughs> the professor. Yes. <laughs> we're, yes. We're still in kindergarten and he's, he's a professor. And uh, so, but he's wise enough, I think, and brilliant enough to, un, to know how to communicate to we children. Um, yeah. There one time I asked and um, a question uh, at a lecture that Benjamin Krem gave, and it was, I, there's a, there's a uh, line in John, and it was very interesting that it came, that the, I went to mass with my father after telling him about this story. And this reading was, presented at the mass and it was um, now we are children what we will later be has not yet come to light but later we will know that we are like him for we will see him as he truly is mm -hmm. and you know my father and I exchanged knowing glances he recognized that that was pertaining to our conversation and I oh. You mean you had talked to him about Maitreya? I had talked to him about Maitreya the night before, and I went ah. to mass with him the next day. And my father had studied comparative religions in college, and he had got, he traveled the world as an uh, engineer consultant. And he went to Thailand a lot, and he was very familiar with Buddhist thought because the Thais tend to be Buddhist. And he just thought, he said, well, Ann, I think you're Buddhist. And yeah. he was okay with that. And that was his thinking, you know. That's so. great. Well, in, well, perhaps in a recent past lifetime. Yeah. And we, we should also let our viewers and listeners know that Benjamin Krem, who's a esotericist, artist, and author, had developed a one-on-one -on -one telepathic link-up with one of the Masters of Wisdom, over a several year period. So that when we, meaning people like Ann and I and other interested parties went to his talks, he would at one point be overshadowed either by his master or Freya, perhaps both. And he would give readings, he would answer questions and we would be getting a glimpse into the world of Maitreya and the masters and the way they think. Um, so moving right along with that, I wanted to speak to all of the disastrous thinking that some people have. It's like they're disaster drama queens. Where do all these disaster scenarios and destructive thought forms or imaginings come from? Why do people believe in these end of the world scenarios? Well, um, they're, they're fear-based, and I believe that, fe that fear is, I mean, there are certainly things going on in the world right now that we need to be concerned about, and they're real. And I think that what then fear doesn't really um, play into that reality and being practical about how we address certain things going on um, is, is, re is real. But a lot of what the problem is, is when people feed that, feed that with fear and feed that with ideas that this is the end of the world and we're we're doomed and we're all going to hell and the and 
things will happen that we we are it's all in the bible and we need to expect it and uh so there there are there are uh individuals who who have are in whose task is they're they're actually very highly evolved and their task is to uphold the material aspect of the world yep, but they, they're a little greedy yep. and they want to take over they want to control humanity and they do that using fear and, yes um so and and they're um specifically referred to as the lords of materiality they right. we, we may want to inform our listeners that they work on the path of involution um kind of involution as opposed to evolution as we do with the masters their job is to uphold the physical aspect of matter but they never seem to be satisfied with that and when they cross that threshold they would be what we would refer to as euphemistically as the forces of evil right or the devil or yeah evil incarnate um and it's not that it's just that they are it's out of balance they have a role to play to uphold the the physical and material planes but not to go not to let that overlap into the higher spiritual realms yes and and when they put these thought forms in the astral plane it's picked up by like psychics and mediums and they publish this sort of information as if it's fact and it's spread around the globe and increases fear which is really the intention of the lords of materiality to keep humanity enthralled so it slows down our progress and the masters don't succeed and in addition to that, there's a, there, of course, is also the misinterpretation of history on the part of humanity and misinterpretation of the scriptures. And, and speaking of the scriptures, what is it that makes the major religions, such as Judaism, Christianity, uh, Hinduism, uh, Islam, Buddhism, seem at times divisive? and divided and at odds with one another why aren't they all on the same page well because the 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 different interpretations ultimately of the inner truth but the interpretations are subject to more interpretations and again we have the piscean element coming in so people become dedicated to that they become emotionally invested in those teachings so that they can't be reasonable about them. So yeah. they, um, the belief system, the ideologies and illusions that the religious leaders feed and perpetuate that whole problem of the emotional attachment and uh, impose upon their members. And also there, you know, there is some probable corruption involved there. They want to hold on to that thinking for some power reason or political reason um, so that they can control the, uh, for instance, they can control women and keep them bound and and, um, enslaved essentially in their lives and and not allow them to educate. Mm -hmm. And so that's uh, this, and it's all based on religion, which is so, the solution to that, um, that we are all, we are all souls incarnate. We're all immortal beings. We have, we have our, we're not really bound by those teachings. Um, and, but the truth underlying it is something we can all tune into at some point when we become free of our conditioning, which is really, again, what it's about. The religion's mm. condition people's thoughts and modes of living so that they they are really bound by them they're enslaved by them and uh and and that's it and that's interesting too and because you brought up something else um when people free themselves of this that synthesis they can combine different viewpoints um so they're not at loggerheads they're not opposed anymore and in the age of pisces that we're just coming out of humanity had perfected or tried to perfect individuality and 
the, uh, the concept of idealism was introduced, but now it's gone too far. Individuality has become selfishness and greed and idealism has become fanaticism. And so now we need to clean up the major religions, the corruption that's crept in so that we can all move forward together without condemning one another. So under our next question, Anne, how does this information from the Ageless Wisdom teaching and Share International and Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom differ from traditional religious teaching? Well, again, um, religion relies on our conditioning and beliefs. And uh, one of the reasons humanity progresses so slowly is because they're hanging on to those old beliefs. And, and that that's, maintains a closed mind. They don't, they don't, can't open up to learning um, that this is actually an interpretation and a, a veil over the inner truth. And uh, so the uh, ageless wisdom teachings uh, require an open mind. You just allow, you, and, and I think any, anyone versed in a particular religion can find the, in their religion embedded in the ageless wisdom teachings. It's actually, they actually aren't so foreign to each other. If they have an open mind to understand the, that it's an interpretation and the that higher. under that interpretation is the truth and the ageless wisdoms generally, it can actually address certain religious teachings um, in a way that they can find the common commonality there. The and irony of it. <laughs> huh? I said the, the irony of it all. Yes, exactly. So, so, so it seems that, that um, part of the difference is the traditional religions and seem to be based on belief. Whereas the ageless wisdom teaching the, um, what my train, the masters are teaching the art of self-realization is free from belief. Right. It is. It's just understanding um, the um, really just being who you are and, uh, and learning the, um, the truth behind the religions, just keeping open to that. And mm-hmm. so it's a, uh, yeah, if you're bound up in, in thoughts and keeping keeping an open mind is just really what it's all about in life in general. I, I like to see, think of life as just one big experiment and discovering on everything. What does that really mean? And I think if people live that way, just see and look and see what things mean and, and maintain an open mind and not pre-define what something means, then you can go a long way to moving ahead and understanding the truth. Sounds like a, a much easier mode of living. I'm, I'm looking forward to more of humanity adapting that. So um, I was thinking too, when humans recognize a need for and believe in the type of change that that you talked about, why do they seem to lose motivation following an initial rush of enthusiasm when it comes to doing that work? Well, if, um, if the enthusiasm is, again, it, it's the idea of your, your emotions are involved and then all of a sudden your conditioning and your beliefs come in and you go, well, wait a minute, I don't, get what this is, you know, I need to move on, but now I'm not, I'm not feeling, uh, I'm not feeling it anymore. Uh, and again, that slows down the human process. So their belief conditioning is always involved there. And I think if it, if they meditate, mm-hmm. you know, it can help them realize to detach and, and view it as what is happening keep maintaining that detachment from what is going on and not hanging on to their old conditioning 
again, I think maintaining that idea that this is an experiment mm -hmm. that they're going through and that it's not um, that we just need to meditate, I think it's really a big solution to that. Um, yes, and, I, I would agree, Anne, because when you meditate, you're bringing in the energies from the soul and sort of downloading them into the physical brain and the personality. And that energy is inexhaustible. It's bottomless. Whereas the emotional energy that we talked about initially, that's finite. It's like shallow pop music versus Mozart or Beethoven. <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. Um, and, and it's a, once the, when the intuition can kick in and when true, and I think again, meditation helps there. But if you tune in from that place, it helps sustain you as well. Um, and that brings in the idea of, of faith, really. I mean, what's faith versus belief? So you can have um, faith is actually maintaining that intuition that you know that this is just tuning into the fact that this is this is it. This yep. is without being emotionally bound up in it so that you're going into a fight with somebody about, no, this is my <laughs> it and that's your it and you're wrong and I'm right. There's that's actually right. a tuning in with the intuition that can, if you are truly tuned in with your intuition, it maintains you. You can proceed. You can just mm -hmm. keep going according to that knowing that it will work out and that you can just keep working at making it work out. That's right, because our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts, our viewpoints, they change. They're always in flux um, as, as is the physical vehicle, but the energy from the soul is constant. And so if we stop relying on just the emotions and the thoughts, and start bringing in some of that soul energy, then we'll have a more consistent supply of wisdom to draw upon. Exactly. And I was wondering too, going along with that, as we're trying to grow and change, what is evolution? And how does evolution relate to belief? Okay, well, there's a couple of ways to look at it. There's the what I would call the exoteric idea of evolution that scientists would look at and see how humanity as a whole has developed and learned so that they've learned how to use tools, we've learned how to process, we've learned mathematics, we've learned all of those things um, to the point that we are now a pretty learned humanity as a whole. And then there's the, um, the evolution of the soul. And it's, uh, and that I think has to do with the idea of reincarnation. Mm -hmm. So that each soul learns through the process of being born again and again as a, as a human in different experiences or others. And so, um, the, um, the whole idea though, both ways, I think are very um, involved with the idea of evolution as the spiritualization of matter. Mm. Um, so that it becomes on a, on the spiral, the, the upward spiral is um, as we go through is gradually spiritualizing us so that we are becoming lighter and more refined. And um, we can't, we're on our way back to the source of reality um, to the, and so I've gradually, as we evolve the veils of illusion, which each and each of which are probably a lesson, um, those veils, and 
and delusion are the mistakes we made. Uh, we learn through those. And so we uh, eventually achieve uh, a higher consciousness to the ultimate goal of cosmic consciousness. Um, so um, as far as... Yeah, how do we connect that with belief and where people are now? How do they get from there to where you're describing? I know you described some of that already, but go ahead and Okay. Well, again, the, the, the beliefs are kind of the veils in a way you could say. Hmm. Um, they're, um, the isms and the ideologies and the beliefs are, they're essential stages in evolution because that's how we get there. Um, they're in, they're part of, uh, mankind's second nature, the world in which he lives. Um, so again, the, um, you know, my old Calvinist friend, He's certainly evolving. I mean, his paintings were beautiful and they showed that his soul was operating, you know, but his beliefs were still there that for something that he had to process and, and go through. So, so, um, so, his... was, uh, so it's, uh, they're part of the, they're part of the process, I think beliefs. Um, and they're, I think maybe there's just, something I'm thinking of that we're, we're limited in our, as we, as we evolve, we are still limited. We're still, you know, emotional people. We're still, you know, learning how to think separately, but because we have um, these limitations, I think beliefs actually ha have a role to play. They're tools in gradually learning of what the truth is behind those beliefs. That's fascinating. It's almost like, it's almost like playing a game, like a sport um, where you use the different tools and rules and moves to reach the goal, the goal being cosmic consciousness. Right. And on, on, con on what conditions did the world teacher Maitreya lay down for his return to the world? What did he want to see happen or at least get started before he came back well he would he would like us to truly begin working on world peace um on the ending of of war and the resolution of nation of international conflicts through the tool of war um so that we can begin to use diplo diplomacy and uh primarily to get to world peace rather than allowing the military um, complex to continue. Um, mm -hmm. We also um, need to develop um, a true sense of what it means to share. Uh, sharing, as my prayer says, sharing is indeed divine. It underlies all all our endeavors it's all 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 hope from humanity is based on learning uh to share on so many levels and on the global level on sharing the world's resources and understanding that it's only by by a level leveling of the world's resources so that everyone has an equal part um that yeah we can move on. So that's a really yes. big thing on his part. And, and that only can be done when we realize that we are all on the same boat, that we're all human beings on this one planet, and that we begin to realize that we're all one, that each of us is a part of the other. And that, that will result in right human relations, which is another requirement of his, that we begin to develop some modicum of goodwill with each other. Um, mm -hmm. And we need to see that that goodwill between peoples, as opposed to the polarity that we see going on in uh, like American politics right now, is uh, we need to get rid of that. Okay, Anne, and are there any other conditions other than you talked about world peace sharing the resources of the world 
right human relations? Do we have any other, any other, um, I should say, goals that we need? Yeah, or possibly requirements even. Well, we need to, people need to be freed from authoritarian beliefs, uh, political and religious organizations. I was talking about the polarity before, but also religion, uh, stifling their followers um, and their thinking, stifling their, their people's thinking. That needs to stop. I don't know if we're doing such a good job right now on this. We really need to start working on those things now. Yes, we're still seeing a lot of that, and not just religious, but political as well. Uh, a lot of governments are still trying to exercise too much control over their populations. So hopefully the beneficent energies of Maitreya and the masters and the avatars that oversee them will slowly help to transform the planet, which it appears they're already starting to do. Good example would be the dissolution of the Soviet Union and the end of apartheid in South Africa. Of course, the fall of the Berlin Wall, which are sort of symbolically represented unification of the east and west hemispheres yeah those were amazing events they were indeed i'd love to see a new one <laughs> yes we're due we're due well um another question i had was um how in an occult way can we differentiate between belief and hope occult meaning sort of the hidden study that this it has been up to now the ages wisdom teaching how can we employ that and what the masters teach to differentiate between belief and hope? Okay, well, um, belief is, is a construct of the lower mind fed by the emotions. And so people hang on to it as being true. It's something that, and that feeds ideologies and, and ideologies are a nice, comfortable place to be. It gives you a gives you a mode of living that is based on something that isn't really real. Um, it does address um, ways of dealing with problems of life. And uh, it, hope is more the, um, you understand that there's a connection there. You know mm -hmm. that you can, um, Hard to it's hard to explain. Yeah, it it arises from your own sense of beingness. Something I I recall uh, a, an article in the New York Times about hope, and um, they discovered that the people of Africa had the greatest amount of hope. The the poorest, starving people had the greatest amount of hope. And I remember Ben talking about, uh, like thinking about a person, a poor person with their little bit of land and their little bit of their children that they have to, to care for. I remember and, that. <laughs> and they just are, they're just really surviving on hope and i think it is our part as privileged western people living in the western world mm -hmm. to give them reason for hope you know yes i think that is one of maitreya's goals mm -hmm. and it appears that africa is the first continent to respond to the masters which is why they had that first major public meeting in nairobi kenya and also, of course, the West has exploited Africa for hundreds of years, and we haven't shared the resources of the world or even their own resources, which we're also stealing and not sharing equitably with them. When we stop doing that, Africa will no longer be poor and hungry. So we have a great uh, debt to pay and to make recompense to them to help them restore their world, which we have been interfering in. I agree. Uh, and so it's a great inspiration to us, ironically, that they have more hope than we do. 
Um, and bearing all this in mind, just to wrap up, this would be my, my last question, um, since it appears we only have about a minute left. What can we do if we believe all of this, Anne? Well, um, I don't know if I, I, I like to think that, I mean, I do believe it, but I also, it goes beyond belief for me. But um, we should just uh, speak to people where they are coming from, if we understand their beliefs and we can bridge that with the truth somehow, um, uh, keep it simple, um, just maybe present it as a story for their consideration, that you consider it a true story. And if it rings true with them, um, then they should pass on the information to others. Um, and I think with a smile and with our own inspiration in this information, we can inf we can become infectious. That inspiration can be infectious, and it can lift lift the hopes of all of us. And uh, that's, I think, the way to do it. And that would be the goal of our show. And hopefully, Anne, you have helped push forward um, that goal for us, and made it within reach of even more of the so. audience. That's, that's one of my hopes. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Opportunity. And, oh, certainly. Um, you're welcome. Thank you for visiting us. We just want to be sure and remind everyone to follow us on Facebook at hashtag planetary makeover and at the website planetarymakeover.org. So thanks again, Anne. And we'll yeah. see you here, hopefully on Planetary Makeover again soon. I hope so. Thank you. You're welcome. Goodbye, everyone, for now. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays, Western Time, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternational-west.org. That's shareinternational-west.org. For related books and DVDs and CDs by Benjamin Krem on the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, please go to share-ecart.com.